0: My face currently feels like I've been run through by Tom Stewart. Puts it to the top of the square. Oh, beautiful little fist in there by Dale. Crucial centimetre moments.
1: He definitely has a bit of the, uh, the Beltro spirit. Um, as I, I have a bit of the Beltro spirit. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Back Pocket Podcast. If there was a 2023 podcast national draft, we promise you we're not tanking, but we are getting Harley Reid so <laughs> joining the show next year. Uh, my name cool. is Alistair, joined by as always by Jack, having a good giggle over there.
0: Yeah, I don't think we're pushing the um, top of the ladder by any means. Um, Our percentage ain't great. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> we've got some beltings. Um, coming off a solid week a couple weeks ago, last week poor performance really didn't bring it in. Um, but, you know, the boys are going to learn from this. Um, it's, a, it's a young group. Look, um, look, I'm going to back them in. Uh,
1: yeah, they look, have my full
0: support. There's no point panicking this early in the season. Um, you just have to regroup and, and trust your game plan and uh, hope it'll come right when you get it working. Ten days later. <laughs> Jack Turner has been sacked as CEO of the back Pocket Podcast. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, votes. Uh, <laughs> my one vote. Was to Brody Smith, uh, who I think is a first-time vote-getter. I think he uh, is. On the podcast. <laughs> I thought his game was really good. He got eight coaches' votes. He had eight rebound 50s and eight intercepts. Mm. 32 touches at 87.5. I think kicking was pretty similar to 90% as well. Uh, had five score involvements, a score launch, three spoils, and nine defensive half pressure acts, which I thought was a pretty... It's a good stat line. Pretty uh, round performance. Um, yeah, uh, Brody
1: Smith had a few good weeks in a row now. He's... Always been good. He's been when Adelaide were at their lowest. He was always. One of I mean, you getting best. very excited a couple of weeks ago watching him play a good game? Um, uh, no, because they were playing Carlton. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was like, of course he pulls it back <laughs> out right, now. That's right. Um, <laughs> other way around. But no, uh, Brody Smith is good, and he, as, as I just said, he carves up my team up all the time. Um, but his kicking is a real weapon. Like, yes, I would probably have him in the top percentage of kicks in the league. Yeah, and
0: um, look, I. Confusing that he plays on the back flank because, um, as we heard earlier this week from um, Robert Walls, it's surprising you put your best kick on the back flank. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely don't want any good kicks out of D fifty. Um, not not something teams do very often at all. Uh, <laughs> uh, who was your your one
1: for the week? Uh, my one, and this might seem low, is Mason Redman. Um, I didn't get one from me, so we I all understand. we all love Mason Redman. I don't mm. love the bull horns. We can put those. It's away. very tacky.
0: I feel like we're past it now.
1: Um, 30 disposals, 97% disposal efficiency, 10 intercepts, 7 marks, 568 metres gained, and 6 rebound 50s in a pretty pretty bad loss. Yep. Um, he was there shining light.
0: I'll cross him out on my special mentions because he was in there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, in a game where they just disappeared in the second half. Um, really impressed with their first half, and then they just kind of whimpered away. It looked like both games Whimped. were going to do the same thing. <laughs> um you look at three quarter time you saw both Brisbane and Carlton just storm back mm. into those games whereas the last quarter the Carlton Bulldogs game was a really good quarter of footy um, and Brisbane Essendon just kind of continued with more of the same yep. over the third quarter so I um, think the other caveat to that is Brisbane are actually looking pretty good yeah they are um, and look and at home they are give always give a prop
1: for getting Joe Danaher to kick six against Essendon
0: and s- kicking straight <laughs> incredible <laughs> Um, but yeah, they're, they're always strong at home We know that, especially home and away I think they've only lost like three at the Gabba Outside mm. of finals for the last six years or something It's pretty, so six They've been this year, yeah? yeah? Yeah Yeah, so that really tells the yeah. story Yeah, so And even last year they started, they started winning finals there So they're, they're really stepping up in that regard um, Yeah, uh, I think that's fair for Redmond to get a vote In a mm. game against a really good team away Can't give it more than one My two was to Dana Rioli um, His first half was insane uh, I he went off with a, a niggle of sorts and then came back on I think he was on his impactful after he came back on but the damage had been done like his it was intercepts just past the halfway mark like he was really around the middle of the ground which Geelong just couldn't get it through that point into the forward half of the ground um, he was just really really dominant and, and helped their ball use going forward because outside of their frantic hack at forward pressure game having a kick like his moving into the front half of the ground is, is huge so um, he had Five, I think he got five coaches' votes in the end he was 23 disposals four rebounds four intercepts and eight defensive half pressure acts but I think it was just the impact of those disposals and when he got them um, which is I guess how he plays a lot of the time that he kicked yeah, goal too. locked him from he did kick a goal yes so your favorite when a defender gets up forward yeah well he oh, kind of went it. up forward I think in the last quarter mm. when he was you know hobbled a little bit so uh so that
1: takes me to my two which is another show favorite Ed Richards yep uh, also
0: my special mentions didn't get in
1: but he was Dominant is the word I would use. <laughs> yep. Uh, 25 disposals, 92% efficiency, 10 intercepts, 10 marks, 483 metres gained, 4 rebound 50s, 6 percenters. The first quarter when Western Bulldogs were probably Do- yeah. dominant, uh, he was sweeping the back half like no other. I was sitting there. There was uh, a big reason for why the inside 50s were just going yep, nowhere. Yep. I was sitting there and my sister said, is that Ed Richards really good? I'm like he is, but he's not this good. Yeah, he's, he's, he's normally good-ish. Yeah. Um, um.
0: I my quote for the night was our you know fellow ranger to Ed Richards. AJ looked up at one point and oh. just went, "Jesus Christ, Ed Richards!" And that was pretty much summed up how his first half went. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I, I get him being in there. So. Um. I'll throw my special mention out
1: now. Hmm. You don't have to tell me if they're in there later. But Liam Jones also from that game. Yeah, special really, mention really
0: for me good. as well. Um. He, he's. Putting together a really good season, Um, as we kind of knew he would. He's just Mm -hmm. always been that good, Um, and that time out of the game doesn't seem to have bothered him too much. He was slow to get going, as someone should be when they miss two years of footy. But um, he's really found his found his own again. One year, one year, I thought it was two years. Oh, okay. Um, My three votes was to someone who impressed me the most since they've been put down back was Andrew McGrath. Um, He kept Cameron goalless in a Brisbane win at the Gabba. Uh, Had seven defensive half-pressure acts, won three out of three contested defensive one-on-ones, seven intercepts from 18 disposals, seven rebounds and four score launches. Uh, Is an insane game of football from someone who was meant to be an inside mid when they started playing. Uh, It's the best I've seen someone hold Cameron at the Gabba probably ever outside of maybe Mm -hmm. Brisbane and Geelong doing it in finals to them. Uh, And yet in a game where they lost by, what, five goals in the end? Um, Kept him to one point. So uh, yeah, applauded it's Andrew McGrath. Yeah damn good someone I never thought would be in the votes <laughs>
1: yeah well I was watching him uh, pretty closely and he didn't look <clears throat> he gets a lot of uh, flack it's probably the right word um, I thought he looked quite good um,
0: yeah um, he did he, and his foot skills have always been something Essendon wanted in the midfield because mm-hmm. they struggle for that um, and it, it really helped coming out of the back yeah. one um, better than...
1: I think Merritt's always been a good kick inside the middle, but they haven't had much support, especially since bringing in Dylan Shield. Yes, um, yeah. And so. Shield
0: is in a lot better form this year. Yep, I totally agree with that. Um, I, you, you brought it up the other day when <laughs> we were talking to some mates of ours who were flacking him, but... Uh, flacking him? Anyway. Yeah, we we'll are um, flacking him. <laughs> and, and yeah, I agree with you. He's having a really good season. Mm. And it looks more like the football they brought into the club. Yep. Um, we're talking about Taranto being one that you didn't notice that shanked it a lot when he before he came into Richmond. I think Shield was the same for me. Um, I didn't think he was that poor of a disposal. How are GWS hiding it? I, yeah, <laughs> I, is it because they've got Cogs and Kelly to get the disposal that you know is the good one off of Toronto and she. Uh, who Maybe. knows? But um, yeah, anyway, uh, you're all three. Uh, look at old Charlie Ballard. Here's my four oh, so four okay easy enough yep yeah I'll let you run through the stats because you take down more notes <laughs> <than me. laughs> I did write down a few um it's hard to not give votes in a record equaling game despite mm-hmm. the, op- the opposition he had 10 to set marks and eight of those were contested which mm-hmm. is the most insane part of that it wasn't like they're picking him out like a lot of those games are he was just taking them trusting himself had nine spoils on top of that which means that 19 times they went inside yep. 50 and he stops them from yep. having any any opportunity and it wasn't a
1: Typical feast on a bad opposition no, game he, where you get like 15 how many marks did he have? He had 11 marks. Yeah. I was going to say 15 marks and you get like 28 disposals. Yeah, no, key, he, he genuinely like
0: was just a dominant force yep. um, and he had three score launches as well which is considering he barely left the back line um, he's just really good. Hmm. He is really finally becoming the footballer. 23. I think he's people, 23. Yeah, and, and that's the thing again We key defenders people expect to come on as fast as midfielders and they don't mm-hmm. um, and you know we're seeing I think the rise of Charlie Ballard which is really good so um, I sound like a movie. Like <laughs> the second movie is The Becoming of Stuart Jew. Um, <laughs> uh, war for the... What um, we say. Um, who's next? Your three. Your, your, yeah, your four's next.
1: Oh, you did your three? Oh, yeah, Andrew my four was Ballard, yeah.
0: Um,
1: uh, oh. I'm giving my four to Harris Andrews.
0: Yep. He, weirdly for me, was in my special mentions, but put him to hell of a season. Yeah. I had him written down I wanted to bring up that like it's it's almost to the level where he like almost gets votes every week mm. the way he's playing. Um but yeah he he was my social mention. So yep, Harris Andrews is fair.
1: Yeah, nineteen disposals, ninety
0: percent disposal efficiency, four in steps,
1: twelve marks, ten one percent with a bunch of those being spoils. Uh, he's picked he's up the he's, kicking,
0: which was the thing that was his biggest mm, flaw I think, in past seasons, even when he made All-Australian. Um, he's hitting targets coming out of the back yeah. line consistently, and it's really making their offence look it's, scary. It's really improved um, Brisbane. They're cutting and Obviously,
1: they had that little patch where everyone was like, oh, I'm not sure about Brisbane. Even I had
0: said that on the show. Yep. Um, yeah, their first three weeks, they looked really shaky. He's he's pulled it together for um, them. But I'd say they're almost the form team of the comp now. Um, obviously, Collingwood is the team. but Yeah, there's no um, d- denying that. Brisbane are looking really, really good. Yeah. Um, so my five was uh, drum roll uh, please, long time uh, friend of the show Nathan Broad. Same. What a game! Like, <laughs> I, uh, I only got eight coaches' votes, the most on the ground. Um, he really owed Richmond after missing the first part of the season. You just give a big ten to Nathan Broad. It's incredible. One. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Amazing. Um, um, <laughs> my my reason because I had both of these written down as four yep. slash five. And I made my decision at the last minute there. I think it's purely because of the opposition he played on. Yeah,
0: it was the fact that... So, like I said, he owed Richmond. He missed their hardest patch of games through mm-hmm. suspension. They haven't won without him this year. So, we mentioned that about Colo a few weeks ago, which is yeah. long. Richmond have lost one game with Broad on the side. They've drawn or won every other game. He not only kept Cameron to one goal, but once Bolter started getting beaten by Hawkins, he let Cameron go outside 50, mm-hmm. and he just dropped back and filled in that hole. And Hawkins influenced... Completely disappeared off. from the game. He had nine spoils, ten pressure acts, one goal
1: after that started happening. Eleven
0: but. intercept positions. Five of those were marks. Three tackles. He plays so well against Geelong, which I feel like is despite me. Mm. Um, like I, it's incredible how well he plays against Geelong consistently, <laughs> and it pisses me off. Um, and it might be because Geelong have the tall forward structure yeah. to match his game. Like he can run and you know defend. So yeah, great game, Nathan Broad. Um, I do think it's insane though that it's worthy of a five vote game. Even though, like, Jeremy Cameron had a bad game, which was 21 touches and eight inside yeah. 50s. Because Cameron's just freakish. You keep him to one goal and low score involvements, and that's good. That's all you need. Mm. Um, but he still had a game which was most people's best game. I think I think taking the two,
1: Geelong are more likely to win a freakish game if he kicks six goals yes. as opposed to him kicking, kicking 15 the times inside, inside 50. Well,
0: and I said to you earlier today about Graham Myers, mm-hmm. kicked to five marks on the lead inside 50, and none of them were goals. So... Um, you're, you can if you can take that influence out of the game from Cameron actually kicking goals, then you've gone a long way to limiting Geelong's influence against you. Uh, so.
1: Definitely.
0: Uh, my special mentions uh, of outside of the ones that you've mentioned, I had only had three left. Uh, the first one was Noah Bolter, who I thought, mm. despite obviously needing Broad's help, really pulled it together in the second half. I think ended up with twelve intercepts um, for that I game. I had Bolter written down. A did a really good job. Um, they, I'm, Rewalt was forced to change the way he was playing to combat yeah. Um which is huge credit to him. And Tom Barris had 19 spoils. Uh, That's good. And I wanted to give a special mention just for that. Like, I know Gold Coast was scoring like it was, you know, a party. But 19 spoils is a pretty massive number. Uh, so that was my last one. Uh, do you have any footy stuff you want to touch on? Because I've got a couple of topics.
1: As you know, every single week I come to you with one promise. Yeah. It's that I've written no notes. I
0: love that. Um, my first one is the grand final <laughs> time slot. 2-30. I feel like... Every year, (laughs) the AFL comes out and does a survey, and the fans say, keep it at 2.30. And then the AFL says, we really like the idea of a twilight or a night slot. And the fans say, we really don't like that. Please don't do that. And then midway through the year, the AFL goes, there's an announcement. It's at 2.30. Just leave it. Just, like, lock it in for five or six years. Like... I feel like it's just a deliberate the media cycle. The only
1: reason they don't is because they're hoping one year they get just enough to justify <laughs> like, swapping Like 40%
0: them. will be close enough for them. <laughs> um, I, it's an I, advertising but the, but and it gambling But it doesn't matter right? with the advertising and gambling anymore because they've locked in the media rights deal for like 10 years. Yeah. So just lock in the grand final time slot. You've you paid the money. Or well, they've, they've I paid feel the money. Like,
1: I feel like all Channel 7 or Fox have to do is be like, we'll give you an extra milli. Yeah. Or however much, Millie's yeah, not yeah, much for the not, AFL, not, but you, you know, know what I mean. Um, Millie's a lot for me. Yeah, uh, yeah I'd anyone like anyone wants I'd to, like a cool to donate a cool <laughs> meal to <laughs>
0: the Ko-Fi account, um, even so a, that's a, moon, money in a million agree. cents would be fine. <laughs> um, uh, th- obviously we kind of mentioned on the side and passed over it uh, Penderry mentioned during the week that compared to a lot of sports in terms of revenue AFL players mm. aren't paid enough and like I do tend to agree <coughs> if you want to safeguard AFL from other sports stealing players especially now that you know basketball is getting a huge pull on Australian players um, obviously rugby is always there as a threat mm. and cricket obviously now is paying a lot more than it was before like you're going to have to increase the wages of AFL players to match the world circuit because they are elite athletes.
1: I do agree in um, one sense, but I can see why it hasn't happened in the fact that in Australia it feels like there's a reverence towards AFL footballers that isn't as seen, at least from my eyes, to at least rugby players. I think rugby, there's definitely no, basket, cricket for sure, basketball, and basketball. And cricket have um, or cricket especially. But, even
0: your Formula One and stuff, I think we our, our yeah. elite in that owes recognise. But and that's the thing I was to say, players like Martin and Danger and Buddy, like are would not be able to walk down the street without yep. being recognised. And I don't think they're paid that kind of a salary um, in football. Um, I did think that it was really funny that Penderbury used the, um, you know, NBA example, um, which does make sense, because he does have a basketball background, uh, to bring up as, like, the comparison. They're like, they get more than 50 for the players, and the effort 25%. I love that he was straight for basketball. He was like, straight away, he's like, basketball. Mm. Um, which is what he chose not to do, to have one of the most successful AFL. I think it's
1: the run. easiest way to...
0: Rationalise it. I think infer
1: that a pay rise needs to happen. Yeah, um, I disagree slightly with what you said before, though, about danger, Buddy, and Martin not being paid enough to be recognised. I would happily take a million dollars a year, no, but to I, not I, be able to I don't go to mean Bunnings not without paid being enough. stopped. by I more a blog. just mean like
0: if you compare it to other any job in the world where you are in that kind of role, those people are paid more than. A sure,
1: but there's also media deals, right? Yeah, that's like. True. <laughs> to use I, again. it again, don't get out of me again. Yeah, Dan not doing cotton on ads for free. No, no. Or, He's not going or, to cash or converters. Uh, Amy or ads. Amy ads. That's yeah, putting no. more money in his pocket. Yeah, for sure. Um, those ads won't stop yeah. if they get more money. It just keeps. It will just keep going, and going. Not that I'm advocating that they shouldn't get more money. Yeah, 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 I believe they should. Yeah. But I'm like.
0: But there is a lot of money that comes from those spots.
1: It's just I look at
0: my wage and your wage and I just go. Oh yeah, look. What I'd, the fuck? I'd kill for that kind of money. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Um, I just think, yeah, the, the main perspective is the one that been reused, which is the, mm. if the AFL players are the people who make the sport, yeah. they should be getting the major share of the money in the sport because it's nothing without them. Um, all, I the, how many media... all the CEOs do is make the game worse year after year. Like, I...
1: <laughs> I wonder how many media personalities on Fox and Seven get paid more than players? top-line Gerard players. Gerard Waitley absolutely
0: would get paid yeah. more than do you any reckon player BT in the gets
1: AFL. gets pl- paid more than someone like... Oh, God, I hope
0: not. Jeremy Cameron, Kane Corns probably does. He works for like five. He works for five places though. Yeah. Which um, one do you reckon
1: he takes the tax
0: threshold on? S-E-N, surely. I reckon they pay the most. They pay the most. Yeah. They're the ones that pulled Waitley away from. Um, ABC. ABC for squillions of dollars. Mm. So, I absolutely you be claiming the threshold at SEN. Not not that it would matter when you're earning that much money. Like, oh cool, I get the tax threshold for like two weeks of the year.
1: It's important to me.
0: Uh, <laughs> Um, I was obviously made to eat crow pretty fast on my comments about Richmond. Uh, mm. It's, it's unfortunately isn't it? beating Geelong. But I Did still... I
1: mention that last week when you were No, you that? didn't.
0: Oh, sure. um, but I still kind of stand by the, my thought that they won't play finals. I still think that I agree. Um, even if they beat Essendon this week, which I think is a, a line ball game, Dreamtime's always interesting. I think they, I think they will. I think they'll have um, some confidence even I, against... I still thought Geelong would win. But like, it was never going to be a shock that they didn't with you know, injuries and the fact that Richmond are always going to get up against Geelong. We saw it even last year where the two teams where they finished were leagues apart. Richmond had that game until seconds to go. Um, and that was a full strength Geelong when they played them last year too. I think the best
1: way to tell if Richmond are going to sort of hit that 10, 11 win marks and yeah. just miss out is whether or not Dusty kicks another bag. Yes, this yeah, way. For sure. If he
0: kicks three or four, then, then that's, I have. That's they're on.
1: Um, Um, If he doesn't, then I don't have faith in them. Yeah, and I think
0: the thing for me is that they've got Port twice, St Kilda twice, Brisbane in Brisbane, um, Melbourne and the Doggies to come. Um, And all of those are really tough games. They also
1: have all four easy beats. They do,
0: yeah, but obviously that's not going to get them totally
1: across the line. Hmm. So So it takes them to seven if they beat all of those. They still won't make finals. I totally agree there, but I think they could hit as high as 10th.
0: Yeah, and they could end up just percentage out. Um, it, it, I think the game the year is going to be very close, especially coming for that you know eight to twelve bracket like it was mm-hmm. last year.
1: Yeah,
0: um, and they're probably going to be in that mix. I just think that yeah they've done their percentage. Well, oh, percentage out there a draw, but um, that draws the same thing. I think they've done enough damage early with losses to the Gold Coast and, and that kind of thing, mm. which obviously Geelong did as well.
1: But Gold Coast, I'm still not sure where they'll um, end yeah, yeah, up. Yeah, who knows? They like could they, be in the They, they could what, be 14th, 15th. Beat Geelong,
0: beat Richmond, almost beat Melbourne. Um, but then got trounced by St Kilda. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, really, who knows? So
1: Who then just got their complete asses handed to them. Yeah, by
0: two good teams in a row played St Kilda and just went, well, we'll just go past them, I guess. Mm. Which is um, awkward
1: because they're supposed to be the built best... on run.
0: Yeah. So, well, yeah, it was interesting. Like, I think Adelaide and Port did it different ways. Like, Port really just kind of went over the top. Port just went, you're going to build a wall? We'll just go over it. We've got a height down there. We'll figure it out. Whereas Adelaide just picked their way through with absolute precision. It was a delight to watch. It's, it's, it's
1: insane how... Adelaide have the speed and the kicking efficiency. They're going to be dangerous in years to come. I thought
0: what was really interesting was that... But (laughs) that was also then when they were in their flag running. It was. Contention. They had the the big keys, they had the speed. Um, Mm, Interesting. I thought what was really interesting was that um, once Adelaide were up, that first quarter, which they just tore them apart, um, because they were up what was it, five goals to one at a quarter time, it forced St Kilda to play Adelaide's way because they couldn't play a slow defensive game when mm-hmm. they were already four goals down. Um, and it just meant the game was over for there because yeah. St Kilda's not built to play a, a really high-octane scoring type of football. So, uh, yeah, credit to Adelaide for maybe even building a system for how to beat St Kilda for other sides because there was a... It's, it's really interesting
1: because two weeks ago, I would have been very bullish on St Kilda being... Potentially top four, and now and I now feel it's like, like do they make the eight? <laughs> do they make the eight? <laughs> I think got, they
0: do. They've got a lot of
1: hard fixtures to come. Um, I think they just, I, I think they're
0: seventh or eighth. We, we saw how they played against Collingwood, who are obviously a really good team. Um, they still went really close against Port, so like they're, they're still really um, mm. getting there. But um, it is a bit of a worry. Um, we talked about this earlier. Did we? I was well side by Ollie Henry for a bit. Oh, I know he's only going to be two weeks out. And I, I think the longest anyone's lost to a ruptured testicle is six. But I genuinely think I'd rather do an ACL. I think I'd rather just have my season over with a bung knee than have a ruptured testicle. Um, agree. I, that's one of the most horrific... Steelside bottom a few years ago, um, said it was like the feeling of being kicked in the nuts, but it doesn't yeah. stop. It's like it's. There's not many other parts of my body. So I've taken
1: injury to. Obviously, internal organs. Yeah, I probably yeah. yeah. Don't want. You don't want like a Tom eyeball, ruptured kidney, or eyeballs eyeball no. bad. Yeah, but testicles up the top. Yeah, it's, it's right up. It's there. really up I there. I think
0: yeah, eyeballs worse. Um, I yep. felt nut pain. Uh, I felt eye pain. You've experienced me feeling <laughs> eye pain. I don't feel do good with eye pain. <laughs> um, it's amazing
1: you didn't get any kind of nickname out of that. Uh
0: <laughs> thankfully. Um, I I looked it up today. Because the most famous one I remember for the the testicle was James Kelly because obviously there was yes. footage of it we saw it happen in a game Side bottom was it was a training or whatever um, really? and it was the fact that he came down like a belly flop on the floor you know he lost a third like they had to cut off a third of his nut I thought you said he had a third nut and he lost no, 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 it No 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 <laughs> I was like what are you talking about He lost a third that He lost a third he lost, his a third he lost a third of his nut Okay Um and uh, yeah because I heard them asking about it like, he did a bit, a bit on the front bar and yeah. he was just like yeah ask whatever you want like I don't know what I don't know what you're gonna get out of it but like and, um, yeah, he lost a third of his nut, and he said that, yeah, it wasn't until he could run without feeling like he'd been kicked in the nuts that he could play again. Um, oh, I feel ill just yeah, hearing about this. Yeah, what horrible, horrible time. Um, on to bad teams. Who are we talking about? Harley Reid cut, potentially, this weekend. Hawks mm-hmm. and West Coast in Tassie. I think the Hawks Not get really, done though. in Tassie. I don't think West Coast will
1: take Harley Reid. You know what I reckon? I reckon they'll trade that pick and pick up, pick multiple, up multiple WA players. players.
0: I think that's the smarter move, especially way smarter. Especially if they can get rid of a few of the older players and bring in high-end picks to replace it. If they get pick one and 19 mm. and trade them both on for, like, a range in the top 20, or, well, yeah, other, other picks in the top 20, that's a much better move. Pick one has so much power. Um, it does. Well, we could get what, three picks for it. You we saw, we, we talked about to. it recently that Adelaide got, yeah. like, Oh, Adelaide's Adelaide. Right, Adelaide yeah. got Dawson, Rochelle, and Rankin. Rankin with what, for they... what they offered for Horn Francis. Yeah, which is I'm. I mean, Horn Francis has looked really good this year. Credit mm-hmm. to him. You're taking those three any day. Uh, it's it's a win just on Jordan, the Dawson alone. yeah alone, and then Rankin and Rochelle has been their power. Like, yeah. That's their force at the moment. Mm-hmm. So incredible. And yeah, we said this earlier. We kind of did a little chat about it yesterday, and I didn't mean to run you through it. because <laughs> I was going to bring it up today, but yeah, the top. The top pick is sometimes a bit of a curse. I think oh, most yeah, we years, go through
1: that. All right, pick that's...
0: two, and sometimes pick two and three, genuinely is a better pick. Um, and I'd... it's it's hard because you are not always going to get the best player. The best player isn't always going to go
1: number one. Absolutely, it's based on their talent that you see yes. as a and junior. Your need is an impact on it as well, and also how they're developed. Yes. Like, uh depending on uh, the club, like if you sent, uh, who, uh, let's fucking. Chase on Francis, he's in yeah. the number one pick to North. Absolute shambles. He ends
0: up at Port. And now Look what's cool. happening. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I, the the Harley Reid cut reminds me the last time I remember it happening, which is obviously way later in the year, was when Hawks and Tigers played the Brett Delidio Cup, um, which was obviously widely advertised because it was genuinely whoever wins that game gets off the bottom of the ladder. Um, and no offense to Delidio, who was a very good footballer. <laughs> Um, they both got priority picks that year because the AFL was just handing them out willy-nilly back then. Mm. Um, Hawks got Roughhead pick two, Franklin pick five, and Lewis pick seven, mm. while Richmond picked up Delidio with pick one and Tambling with There's pick Tam- four. Lang. That is a nuts difference. Look, it's, it's really between Dr- it, If they just took... It's to Delidio. <laughs> <laughs> it is, because he, he was a very good footballer. But like, if you're taking just Franklin and Lewis instead of Delidio and Tambling, that Richmond team gets better a lot faster than mm-hmm, it does. Mm-hmm. Um, wild that that's what they ended up with out of that. Um, and, and Delidio wasn't even there by the time they won that first flag. They beat him in a prelim because he was at another club. Um, yeah, that, sad that first pick
1: is... I felt really bad for him. Bad. I remember that
0: year it was the two prelims were Dangerfield playing Adelaide and Delidio playing Richmond in their first year at the other clubs mm-hmm. and getting beaten as those teams went through to a grand final, which is crazy Like it's because they were probably the two biggest movers in that off-season. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I I do wonder if pick ones a bit cursed. There's not been many good ones. Um, like even uh, Waitering's obviously the one. That's the, I think is good. The comfortable winner. Um, Walsh obviously was a good one. A bit young, but, but like even Walsh's year, picks two through five are also very yes, good footballers. I so think like, that draft looks really incredible. Solid. But there's a lot of years where you look at like other picks in the top five, or, like multiple of them are all better than the pick one. So. I feel like the power given to pick one is weird um, and it's why I don't hate that draft lottery idea so much because if you're not incentivizing teams to get pick one by losing on purpose, so if you just finish in the bottom four, you've got a chance of getting pick one. Um, I feel like it makes them play with a bit more competitiveness at the end of the year and also it means that maybe the teams who finish bottom aren't just going to pick pick one and it f- falls flat in its face more times than not. <sighs>
1: I get where you're coming from. However, I also feel like it still encourages the same thing. If you're sixteenth or fifteenth, yeah, and you have the chance to move out of that bracket and potentially go
0: from getting pick one, yeah, to absolutely. pick eight. But I, but I feel like the um that yeah, yeah. But I also feel like the problem with the the other problem with the draft lottery is if you bring it in for the whole outside of finals, that's really dumb because you look at how close ninth, tenth, and eleventh last yeah. year were to being in the top eight. You can't bring it in like that. So um, I think that's why it's so unsustainable. AFL, and I also think a big part of the problem is. But even if you bring it in now, and the bottom four teams are raffling for it, and then suddenly you've got three Tasmanian cases,
1: and then maybe GWS, let's say, who are clearly
0: better than those well, other three, and that would have been the problem if last year. pick one, and the, the teams that are struggling don't, that would have been the problem last year of Essendon got pick one. Yeah, ahead of. Hawthorne North and West Coast who are still really struggling in and have been decent again this year and were decent the year before it Yeah, it's, um, and like Port Adelaide finishing lower last yeah, year. Yeah for sure it, It's I don't think a lottery is sustainable um, because of that. And another thing is I think that like it's obviously most famously used in the NBA but in a game where there's five people on the ground at one time the best player can change the team mm. on its own whereas in the AFL one absolute superstar isn't going to It does happen more often than you think though well, yeah, but not in like. It does take a core of players. Oh, I agree. Um, like you, you, bring in the best player in the comp to the worst team, and they're not going to miraculously win five more games, even let alone ten. Oh, I'm pretty sure if you put Jeremy Cameron in North, they would win a few more games. Uh, You're probably right, actually. Yeah, because he would be playing middle and forward. God, that'd be actually kind of terrifying. Um, but like, I, when when Goldbergs had Abloh, I think is the best example. They pro- they definitely won more games because he was because there. Of him, yeah. Um, but it didn't make them a suddenly a contender no
1: it didn't Um, I mean they're still yet to make finals
0: yeah it's frustrating isn't it last year was their best shot yeah Um, they're in a bit of a mid level this year but like last year they really were on track and they had the run home to do it and they really squandered some games they absolutely should have won to miss out on finals when they definitely shouldn't have Mm. Um, which is the Gold Coast way really Yeah, they usually start off really hot. (laughs) Um, They do, and this year they are kind of not, which maybe that's a good sign. Maybe they're going to finish hot. I don't know if you saw, so it was obviously Mother's Day footy on the weekend. Did you see the Collingwood pregame bit? No. So instead of um, Fly giving the pregame rev up, Oh. Boba yeah. Curry's mum yeah, gave the pre yeah. I did hear about it. I didn't watch it. It was very wholesome. Um and like I think that's a big part of what they've done a good job of at Collingwood is making those players love playing there. Like they're just having a really good time. And you can see that when they play. But I think a main part of it is that, like the pressure to not lose isn't there like mm. the way it is at some other clubs. Like, they don't I feel like they don't have that overbearing weight on them every time they go out. But does that come because they've been winning or does it come because of Well, it is hard to say because like this year obviously they have been winning, but last year they weren't. And they were playing that same style of football. Like they were Eleventh six rounds in and ninth at the bye, mm. and they played that style of football all throughout the year. And that's what got them home. So it is hard to say, but does that culture then build from there with
1: each of those? Yeah, friends, I think so. And now yes. it's solidified and, it's and really you can't
0: trim. break
1: yeah. it apart. Whereas you use counterpart Carlton, for example, yeah. who have been losing and there's a lot of pressure piling up
0: in you know, a coach's second year at the club. Yeah. I just want to point out, um, and I think he was he was. Um, his own worst enemy with the strong start last year. Yes. I think that the expectations were built around his coaching future based on the first 10 weeks of last season. Mm-hmm. Um, and from then, it's been pretty par for the course. Ups and downs, ebbs and flows, as a new coach would expect. He needs a few more gears, I think. But if, let's say, Carlton win their next six games in a
1: row, which is not happening, Yeah. Um, and those players are playing with flair and they seem happy and they're high-fiving on the boundary line, does is that, suddenly is culture? that energy... From culture? Or is that just because they're winning? Yeah, it's true. If Craig McRae's Collingwood lose the next of...
0: 10 games, does, does the pressure not get turned up to 11 on them? And that's a big part of the question, isn't it? Like, obviously, West Coast back in the day when they were able to pull anyone back to WA they wanted, um, and how Geelong does now, like, is that because they have a good club culture? I mean, or... Back in the day, West Coast can still do that. Well, yeah, you're right. Um, but, like, they had a much stronger pull before. I think they've lost one ever, and it was Luke Jackson. <laughs> 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 um, but I more just mean, like, That's a great point of that. Like those clubs are often praised for their culture, and it's why players want to go there. But like players want to go there because they're winning. Yep. AFL players who don't care about the money as much, like they'll they'll get a lot of money regardless wherever they are if they're that kind of footballer. If you don't care about the difference, a hundred thousand dollars a year is going to make you as a footballer, and you just want to win games, you're going to go to clubs like West Coast or Geelong if you want to go home because that's where you're going to win games. It's just it's just sensible, isn't it? Sydney, yeah, great example. Like, why do you think Buddy went to Sydney instead of GWS? Like, because they win. Mm -hmm. Um, pretty pretty simple. It was it was
1: very obvious.
0: Yeah. Um, and I think that's a yeah you're right It's a big part of the culture discussion. It's is it's, it's winning. Yeah. I think you, you winning have culture, you is culture is important. Yes.
1: Would North Melbourne have done better with players like Thomas or Jason Francis if they won eight more games Absolutely. that year?
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And it's like um I think a really good example is Jew is create uh, By all means, there is a good culture at Gold Coast, but it's not talked about because no. they're not winning games. They've signed Jew, on... Jew and those players are, are very, They've very signed tight. on young players for the first time in the club's history for like long-term deals. The players love Jew. They, they love the way the club's being run, but it's not discussed in the way it is for right. other clubs. Because um, they're not winning. Yeah, because they're not winning. I wish they were. I feel like it's very simple. Like Remember the start of the year, the
1: Bulldogs and Bevo was being lambasted. Well, I was about to say,
0: the, the opposite end of that spectrum... Is that a word? La- lambastard? Oh, yeah. Lambastard. Lambastard. Anyway, who cares? L- lambastard. That's, um... <laughs> what's his name? Sam Kekovic? Sam Kekovic. <laughs> He's a lambastard. He's a lambastard. <laughs> He's from Antrimar. Can you, can you call this episode Lambastard? Lambastard. <laughs> or in a letter of swear. You it? don't make sense. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had a point. Oh, yeah. Ken Hinckley. Um, oh, he's, yeah. he's at the opposite end of the spectrum where there's still discussions about his role as a coach. They've won six on the trot. They've got mm-hmm. the best winning streak in the AFL, and his security is still being talked about. I think it's because we all know that they are very prone to not doing what they're currently doing. Yeah, um, they do look good, though. I think it's, it's fair to say. Yeah, this point. me too. I, I think they're going to take home a, a swell of games. Mm. Um, it's it's the players who underperformed last year. Jeremy Finlayson's the perfect example. Like, he did well in the ruck role, but without uncomfortable. He's playing great football. Like, really, really good football. And, like, they're playing um, players like Ollie Lord, and they're going to upgrade to Marshall soon. Horn Francis looks great. Boak had a bit of a, a blip year last year, playing really good footy. Um, he, I think they've really figured out how to play him in the veteran role. Now. I think
1: he also started the year a little bit underdone.
0: Yeah, um, that's fair to say. He was pulling out of some contests but that uh,
1: was very unvoke like and you know, that
0: has stopped. It's so. funny, like all of last year we talked about how much pressure was on Hinkley. They um, had a really good second half last year. There. Their backline we obviously praised last year. They're one of the only four teams with the premiership profile currently of top six attack and defence. Um, and they're playing really good footy. Uh, it's, it's really interesting to watch because we talked about it all round two. We said Ken Hinkley was the coach under most pressure. Mm. And now they are playing great footy. Uh, and they're, they're, we talked about a few weeks ago um, Hinkley does love his players um, and you can see the way he coaches like he is really behind the players that's how he coaches he's very much in the trenches um, but like sometimes to his own detriment like you, mm. the fans see players getting a game week in and week out that they're confused about um, and, and <laughs> McIntyre like, said it out loud <laughs> <laughs> I think McIntyre tries so hard mm-hmm. he is a Pressure footballer. I just think that he struggles with foot skills and laying tackles incorrectly to give away free kicks. That, like, I get why fans are frustrated watching that happen. And, look, oh, people have been wrong before. I watched Mark O'Connor play a really good game in a grand final this year. Um, uh, well, this year? Last year.
1: Lockie Jones is another one.
0: Yeah, so... Lockie? Jones? Lockie Jones, yeah, yeah. Yeah, another one for Paul. Um, who... Yeah, but look at him. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> who is the that's the most pressure that's a rig-based now. selection, Lockie Jones. I Simpson. If they lose to Hawthorne this week, his job is in huge trouble. It's in Tassie, isn't it? Yeah. But if you've lost to Hawthorne and Richmond, the other two teams that are, were struggling as much as you... They played Richmond back in a the form. Mm. They've lost to North already. Mm. They've they beat like GWS only because GWS had heat stroke from that game.
1: Yeah. I feel like they've already set the expectation of we don't have players, we are losing. Yeah, but they ourselves.
0: have a... Fan base that is used to winning and has high expectations. They have former players who've watched this club never be bad for long periods of time who are all coming out in the media and talking about how embarrassed they are. I don't think it's right. I think that they are very complacent because of their success. Mm. But I do think that that culture they've created of success means that the, the vocal voices have a lot of power at West Coast. Um, and when you have really good former players coming out, and obviously Simpson's not one, He's a premiership coach, which obviously helps. But when you've got you know former greats of the club, um, Dean Kemp was the last one to come out and say that he is embarrassed watching West Coast play football at the moment. Um, and I, like I said, I think that was a very bitter comment to make from someone who was used to success as a player and then as a fan post-retirement. But when the members here play at former players mm. saying stuff like that and the club doesn't do much to address it, like I I think Freo has been really strong in addressing stuff that the media have said about the club, whereas... West Coast, I think they're so busy dealing with what's going on in-house they can't afford to come out and you know pan crappy reporting um, or just you know, takes from, from mm. the players because they're too busy dealing with the absolute storm that's happening yeah. at the club. Um, and the injury list just isn't getting better. Like, every week like the, a couple of players come back and then another one's it? gone. Like it's, it's currently 1,900 games missing. Yeah, and Matthew Lloyd suggested cutting list sizes the other day. Like, they would have not... They would have to games this year. They, they would have gone through that list. They have. Hmm. Um, another part of that, though, is that... Um, like, there's other problems going on outside, and it's probably because of the same thing. Artie Jones could have been part of West Coast Academy his mum had the paperwork and didn't sign it because the club didn't do a good enough job of convincing them why it was worth it. And so was Erasmus, who's now at Frio. Like, that's another two young players who could have been on their list That's interesting. Who they would have got for free, so not even for draft picks. Didn't even know West Coast had an academy. Um, Every club's got one now. No,
1: I thought West Coast were one of those special ones. Like, their waffle team has really weird restrictions as opposed to Frio. It does, it does.
0: Yeah. Well, the academy's a bit different. Um, But yeah, they're two players they could have signed for free, Mm. um, but either didn't follow up on enough, or didn't give the offer to and have now ended up costing other clubs picks but playing reasonable footy for mm. other teams and west coast really are in dire need of talented youth um that's not injured i think especially with you know arty, arty jones would just be junior of excitement moving on and yeah um, that's one in
1: and erasmus I, could potentially be part of a future core with a bunch of players there so. arty jones
0: running that victory lap after his first win with the bulldogs was just awesome like mm. the the excitement of a young player at a club is just always so good and that goal he kicked last week was brilliant. Like West Coast could do with some excitement like that, and they just don't have it. Their, their young talent is grit at the moment. You, if you're watching West
1: Coast games, you're simply watching To Hope Allen. Yeah. a few goals. Yeah, who is, he's freakish. His he goal point. kicking is really good to watch. Um,
0: it's insane how well he is playing at one of the worst performing teams we've seen in the history of football. I just imagine how good he could be when they're playing well. Yeah. Um, like, like we didn't get
1: to see this level of Allen... When they were playing well with him around, he was either injured or too young, or being swapped at either end of the ground. Yeah, um,
0: but he—he's got be... to be the next captain, doesn't he? Is Ooh, it like—is it like a cog oh, scenario where like oh, GWS made him captain instead of giving him a massive pay rise to convince him to stay or make Alan sure he stays? Leave. Neither um, do I, but you got to make sure he doesn't. I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, but yeah, he's in incredible form. But yeah, I think the problem with West Coast is that they're young talent, a lot of it is grunt. Like they've got obviously Cully, but that's, you know, grunt in the midfield. Even when Clark comes in, it's grunt in the midfield. Even Jinby is grunt. Like there's no um there's no Elliot Yo replacement. There's no Gaff replacement currently. Jen um, Huntington's two outside. Yeah. Like yeah. there's no real replacement for those kinds of players that do the miraculous thing, get the ball inside fifty, um, and help you score goals. It's Tim um, Kelly or bust. Um yeah, and that's been it, hasn't it? Like we that game against Melbourne. Really good season too. We watched Tim Kelly play one of the best performances I've seen a player play all year I think he got coaches votes in a massive loss to a team where I think the opposition had like 430 disposal getters Um, that's a special mention I should have given Duggan got a vote coaches vote on the Mm. weekend Um, you know walloping loss we like Duggan credit to that but yeah I think the problems are deep at West Coast Um, but a a lot of the problem is that they're a victim of their own success currently the the fans are just so used to it Um, whereas you have to respect the way Hawthorne are just you know, their fans are laughing it off. And, like, every loss, they're like, ah, it's one, more, one game closer to Harley Reid. Like, they're, they're not... Like, they're dealing with it a lot better, I think, you know, at the other end. that um, Because they've had periods before where their club has struggled, either financially or wins-wise. Yeah. Though, statistically, they are due for a flag. Hawthorne. Oh,
1: yeah. Next year. <laughs> Actually, not this year? I think it's this year. They've they got a like long got that, streak of wins to come. <laughs> it starts this weekend.
0: Maybe they're just going to win the next two after this year. Even it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then no, then that would be crazy. Be insane to go from second last to last or yeah, so probably it Would last. make sandwich with the coach of all time. It would, wouldn't it? Mm. Um, I yeah. At least he wears wear the sleeves. <laughs> yeah,
1: and now sleeves are sleeves at North? North Melbourne. Or yeah. is
0: Jane Stevenson
1: such a fig jam that he like? can He just he just puts it on. Just puts them on. He gets a spray every game and doesn't care because maybe. Maybe.
0: <laughs> Whose jumper did I see on the weekend that I was disappointed with the sleeves? Oh, I can't Some club had a different strip on, but mm. the sleeves were just plain one colour, and I was like, you haven't committed to the bit on that. Oh, where it's just the Guernsey, and then it's just yeah, like the black sleeves. Yeah, like a single sleeve, single sleeve colour. Was it a Saints player? Because Saints do that. Yeah, it might have been. I think Collingwood's the same as well. They just got the white sleeves. And it's like, I think like North and Geelong do it really well with the uh, Hawthorne as well, with if you keep the hoops or stripes going on the sleeves. It really mm. kind of makes the shape, whereas I think the, the single colour sleeves just looks like you're wearing an undershirt. Yeah. Um, and I have actually
1: seen, I think it was, again, St Kilda, where they just had like a,
0: what, what I who assume was, was a skin it? on underneath. Who was it for Geelong last year? Was it close one game? He wore a short sleeve over a long sleeve, in like a game in Canberra or something? Mm. That was nuts. I've never seen that done before. That must have been... Bro gets cold. He's so been, small. That must have been so hard to get off. Like Jumpers are tight enough, mm. as it is, let alone wearing two of them. I
1: he was holding was, his ribs together or something.
0: Yeah, I guess there's not much of him under that jumper. So. Um, have you got anything else to bring up? That's a pretty good place to leave it. I don't have a lot. Like I said, I promise you one thing, I'm, it's nothing. I'm zonked after having an hour and a
1: half dentist appointment. It's going to be 15 minutes today.
0: Uh, yeah, I have I, another I, one I coming
1: spent out. I spent four hours working Didn't doing
0: like nothing. That. so. Yeah, oh, you can help people. You're tech support now, aren't you?
1: That's no, I just turn my camera off and ignore them
0: anyway um, thanks for joining us on the back pocket we will see you again next week Um, I was going to bring up some games that are coming out this weekend but I know none of them I think we know West Coast playing Hawthorne Dreamtime Dreamtime at the G Geelong are playing Frio I'm going to that I should have known that one Can't are playing Collingwood Collingwood. they are is it Sydney next week no no a few weeks away anyway um, there's some games on and I'm going to watch them, and then we'll get some votes next week. Uh, you'll find us at the Back Pocket AU on all socials. Uh, that's me. You good? You know? I've got nothing. See you next I'm week. i not giving my email <laughs> out again. <laughs> yeah, I had to mitch you out on that one. Uh, only after 30-odd people. <laughs> I changed my PayPal email. That's so good.
1: Uh, all right. Enjoy the footy. We'll see you next week. Bye.